Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. On today, it is a joy to be speaking with author Kim Chafee. Kim's a former educator turned author. She is also the co-host of the Kid Lit podcast. Those of you who love children's literature, uh, I will be sure to include the link to that podcast over there in the show notes. That will be one to explore. Now, Kim is the author of a few books. You may be familiar with her earlier picture book, Her Fearless Run. She's back again with another nonfiction picture book entitled Courage in Her Cleats. Those of you who are fans of Abby Wambach, this is one to check out. Now, in this conversation, we talk about many different things, but I want to highlight that we dig into the collaboration that went into this book. Kim also reminds us that books like these have to be fact-checked, and even the illustrations need fact-checking, too. Now, this week, I'm thinking about that alongside of what's been in my email inbox, um, and that's a lot of schools who have been reaching out for some support using generative AI. One generative AI tool that you may have become familiar with is ChatGPT probably filling up your social media space if you're into educational technology. Now, I'm bringing this up because Shifting Schools, the other company that I work with, we've recently put out a free guide to help teams have conversations about the way that ChatGPT is going to be a tool for learning and, of course, for the future of work. I will be sure to include that link over there in the show notes. But it has me thinking about a fact-checking activity that I think pairs really well with picture books like Courage in Her Cleats. What might it mean to invite your class to use a tool like ChatGPT to do some of the fact-checking, to take a look at one of the illustrations, one of the amazing illustrations inside the book Courage in Her Cleats, and think about the prompt that you would put into ChatGPT. And then how would you fact check the artificial intelligence? That's just something that's been on my mind, a little idea. If you do that, please do reach out to me. And you might want to consider reaching out to me to request your free copy. Thanks so much to Kim's publishers for offering one up to the Be A Better Ally audience, a free copy of Courage In Her Cleats. This is applicable to anybody who is in North America. And here's how this giveaway is going to work. The 20th person to email me their request for the free copy is going to be the winner. Why number 20? Well, that was Abby's number on her jersey. And if you're thinking, Trisha, I have no idea how to figure out how to be 20th in line. This might also become a little mini math lesson for you to talk through with your students. Each episode of this podcast, on average, hits around 500 downloads within the first seven days. Can your students figure out, based on that piece of the mathematical equation, roughly how many people might have listened by the time you are streaming this episode, and how many people may have dropped me an email? You can email me, a betterally at gmail.com. 
I will be sure to include that email address over there in the show notes. Again, the 20th person to email me their request for Kim's brand new book, Courage in Her Cleats, you're going to get a free copy of this amazing book sent your way. So now let's learn more about it from Kim herself. All right, Kim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk about your book, which is uh, brand new, has just had its sort of book birthday. Congratulations on that. As thank a former, you. You're, you're very welcome. Thank you for putting this book <laughs> out into the world. Um, as a former classroom teacher, you're uniquely positioned as an author to really understand how the world of children's literature introduces young learners to role models, really even shapes the concept of who is a role model when we imagine that. Can you talk to us about why Abby Wambach was a uh, was a figure that you wanted to spotlight or, um, you know, again, with your educator hat on, what what really, um, what's the significance of having Abby as a, a role model? Sure. Um, what a great question. So as a former educator, one thing, you know, we think about when choosing books is what kind of hook does this book have and um, how are we going to engage kids? So you know, when you sit down for story time, which was my absolute favorite time of the day, um, you, you want a book that lots of your kids are going to be able to relate to, um, but also learn something from. And, you know, as a picture book author, one of the things we talk about is the book needs to be entertaining and not necessarily lesson heavy, but there does need to be a takeaway. So, you know, that's always something I think about when I when I approach a, a new story and, you know, I'll, I'll start by saying I was an athlete in high school. Um, so sports are part of my deep core. I just, I love all sports. Um, I wasn't nearly, uh, at the level of Abby for sure, but, um, you know, I, I always admired, I've always admired soccer players because that was one sport that I just never seemed to be able to get um, the foot eye coordination of it just wasn't something that was strong for me. So, uh, seeing someone execute it so flawlessly was always fascinating to me. Um, so Abby's been on my radar for a long time. Um, you know, she hasn't been on the national team for a long time, but I mean, I guess I'm aging myself with saying that I watched her play while she was on the team, but, um, you know, she, she's amazing. She's amazing as a soccer player, but she's also amazing as a human being. And those two things um, were part of the reason why I wanted to bring Abby's story to young readers. Um, you know, the publisher had approached me and said, you know, Her Fearless Run, which was my first book, is, is doing really well. Are you interested in maybe writing another story about a female athlete? And um, Abby was the first one that came to my mind just because I had admired her for so long. Um, but you know, I had to do the author thing and kind of think about some other possibilities. Um, I had to make sure that there's a story there because Abby is amazing. She's, I mean, won Olympic medals and world cups and, um, all of these accolades that she's accumulated but a story about someone who's amazing isn't really a compelling story that has the takeaway that we as authors and teachers really want 
our readers um, to have. So I needed to do the research and make sure that there was a story there um, worth telling uh, with young readers. And um, you know, realizing just how much she's had to overcome, it, it really, that was it for me. It was, you know, she had to make the choice to kind of keep going and keep trying in order to be the success that she is. And, you know, when I found that piece, I knew that I could tell this story. And, and she really still today is, is, you know, always working on herself and learning and growing and improving. And I love that message um, because even though picture books, you know, have to focus on a short piece of a person's life, I think the goal is also to pique the reader's interest, whether it be the child reader or the adult reader, um, to want to learn more about the the subject of the biography and there's so much more to learn about Abby. And I hope that not only do readers learn about what Abby's overcome in the book, but also they're now curious to learn more about Abby now. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up because it reminds me of your earlier work that you just referenced, Her Fearless Run. Um, you know, that book was actually my introduction to Catherine Switzer. I didn't know about that historic uh, Boston Marathon run, mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happened. I wanted to go and research some more. Um, and, and you bring up the research process. Listeners, I'm going to include in the show notes, you recently on your own podcast, Picture Book Look. Um, so anybody who, again, loves picture books, it's a great program. Uh, you were talking about the research process and your amazing illustrator pointed out that the illustrations also go through a fact checking process, which I had never thought about. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so interesting. And just, you know, the idea that the Abby Wambach that folks know and recognize today uh, looks different than the Abbey within that book. So I'm wondering if, if actually you right. could just touch upon that fact-checking process and how intensive that is. Sure. I think that might be one of the most nerve-wracking things for me because, well, both books that I've written so far are about people who are still living. So knowing that there's a chance that these people are going to read it and really wanting to make sure that I get the story correct. That's really my number one goal. And um, so research and then more research and then more research and double checking. And, you know, my brain tends to, I, I start my research really organized, but it never ends up being organized. So I tend to always go back and triple check and quadruple check um, because, you know, dates and facts are important. But like you were saying, the art is also important. And so Alexandra, the illustrator, amazing illustrator of this book, um, also had to do her own research to make sure uniform colors were correct, numbers were correct. Um, you know, even like the last page of the book, one of the things that I had noticed um, when we were going through initial sketches was the leg that Abby was kicking the goal with was incorrect because I had to go back to the video and double check. So little details like that are so, so important. Um, and, and they all, the art and the text go through multiple rounds of checks. Hopefully things don't get missed and slip through the cracks, but I, I'm sure it happens at times just unintentionally, of course. 
And it's such an interesting, you know, I think research skills are so important. And sometimes I think it's interesting to set it up as a learning engagement where it's almost um, your reverse engineering. So I, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm thinking about even just looking at illustrations and then working it back from there and having students do the fact check. So um, again, uh, that episode, that conversation, I'll make sure is in the show notes because I think it's a wonderful one to point, um, you know, students who are interested in becoming illustrators. I think they, they gain a lot from that conversation too. Uh, the book Courage in Her Cleats looks again and again at many of the obstacles faced by Wambach across her career. Can you say more about why young readers need to know that success for many leaders does not necessarily come easily? Yes, I think uh, not only young readers, but I think all readers um, can really benefit from the message uh, that things don't always come easily. And a lot of, a lot of times they don't come easily. Um, you know, I, it's funny because I think back and the two posters that I've had in my classroom since day one, the first one says the expert in anything was once a beginner. And the second one says, if at first you don't succeed, you're in good company. Um, and I really just, I think back to that because so this message has been something that I've really felt passionate about for a long, long time. And today, everything is so fast and instant gratification. And um, we see highlight reels from everyone on Instagram and, and Facebook and things. And it, we, we tend to have the thought that oh, they came so easy. Look at this person. They're so successful, but we don't see the behind the scenes work that was really put in, in order to produce that outcome. So, you know, it, I feel like the concept of learning from your failures or learning from your defeats really needs to be like highlighted because the word failure has set is so loaded, right? And people, you know, say, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail, but that's where we learn and that's how we improve. And, you know, one of the things I always talk to my students about was taking risks and failing is a good thing because it means you were brave enough that you had the courage to take a risk and try something and then learn and pivot and figure it out and try it again differently the next time. And so what that's one thing I loved about Abby's story was, you know, she had all of these moments where she could have quit. Um, you know, I think especially back to that high school championship game that she lost and just I, I felt for her in when I read that that moment. And, you know, for someone that is so invested as an athlete in what they do and being part of a team and feeling like they're leading a team. When something like that happens, it can really be a moment where they have to decide, well, maybe this is just it for me, especially I think in high school, right? Because a lot of people play sports in high school like I do, but don't necessarily move forward and, and play in college. Um, you know, but she didn't let that one moment define her um, and, and learned from that and, and took that with her as she, as she moved forward. So, you know, I think, I think all readers, young and old, really 
just need that reminder that, you know, life gets tough at times and that's okay. We're, we're learning, we're trying, we're tougher than those tough times. Um, and we can, we can persevere. And that's actually part of the dedication for the book was, you know, to anyone who needs the reminder, life, sometimes life is tough, but, but remember that you're tougher. Um, because I think, you know, mental health, um, especially for a lot of us, these last couple of years has really been a struggle. Um, but we just need to keep going and moving forward and know that it'll, it'll get easier. So. I appreciate that. And, you know, I think what you were saying about, you know, things are so quick and instant gratification, um, you know, seems to be a priority. And of course, you know, social media has a tendency to almost, you know, create highlight reels and not necessarily, as you're saying, swivel the spotlight over to the reality that, uh, you know, failure or setbacks or struggles is going to be part of it. And I love also that you talk and you uh, you share in the book Abby's ability to remember that even though she's such a talented athlete, she's a part of a team, right? And I, right. you know, I, I when I work with schools a lot, I talk about we're we're constantly driving home this message that we want students to be independent learners. This is true, but simultaneously, it has to be true that we're also focusing on that interdependence and. What does it mean to be part of a community? So I love too that, that you know, you you have um, a passage in the book that looks at Abby really thinking about what does it mean for me to be a part of a team? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, team. I think I again back go thinking back to when I was in, in school and playing sports. Some of my best memories are being on a team and knowing that. Um, I could help the team and that there were others on the team that had strengths that I didn't have that I could count on. And uh, the ability to be able to work together. And I think trust is a huge piece to being on a team, uh, which can be tricky. Um, but I, I think there's nothing like finding a team that supports you, that you can support and that you're working together toward a goal. Um, so absolutely, I loved that aspect, you know, where where Abby, you know, thought, well, how can I help the team and and knowing how the team's helped me and my successes, because we don't do it alone, right? We're not, I know, even as an author, um, you know, we think about writing as being a really independent, solitary kind of job, but it's actually really, it's not um, the, the process of being part of a critique group and having others read your work to improve your work is essential to um, any good book that's out there. So um, the, the team aspect of this book is, is a big one. And absolutely, I think kids could definitely benefit from that reminder. I love that you sort of perfectly, it was like a pass, the, the transition into where, where I, I wanted to take this, uh, this conversation because, you know, I've been very fortunate to have a number of authors come on the show and talk about their work and point out that when they are working with an illustrator and, you know, again, uh, you're working with an editor, I, I love, again, that you're focusing on that team aspect. Every author that I have interviewed who works within the realm of children's lit also talks about the broader community and how supportive it is. And that's actually, I find like children's literature 
social media, that as a community <laughs> is like such a wonderful part of social media. Um, this is a new illustrator that you're working with. And um, again, I'm aware that often it's not the author who is saying, reaching out to an illustrator and saying, let's partner, but that partnership is often formulated outside your realm of control. Can you talk to listeners more about that collaboration and how you work together to bring this story to readers with sort of a, a shared sense of purpose? Sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Every publisher is really different. Um, if you publish traditionally, then uh, some publishers will choose the illustrator for you and the author doesn't have any input at all. Uh, Page Street Kids is actually really wonderful uh, to work with. They actually do ask for uh, input from the author. Um, again, I've worked with them a couple of times before, so I'm really familiar with that kind of uh, process. And initially, we thought we we wanted Ellen Rooney, who illustrated her Fearless Run, uh, to illustrate this book just because Ellen had done an amazing job with her Fearless Run. But she was um, busy working on other projects. So we were kind of at a at a place where we were looking for someone who could bring the same energy and, you know, attention to detail um, and that little something extra to this book. Um, again, it's not completely my decision, but uh, Page Street had offered some names and I had done my own research and I had found Alexandra actually on Instagram. And she had some amazing illustrations of athletes and the movement that she had in her art. I just thought, wow, this could really be an amazing person to, to bring Abby to life. And so I had passed her name over to my editor um, and the team there at Page Street Kids had discussed uh, uh, also Alexandra and their choices. And they kind of gave me, um, I guess, final say. And um, I just knew it was Alexandra from the the minute I saw those those athletes. And thankfully, she uh, said yes to working on the project. Uh, you know, and and coming to find out, her brother is a professional athlete in Romania. He plays basketball for the national team, and so sports is a passion of hers as well. Um, you know, it's it's always a little nerve wracking when you first get the initial sketches as an author, cause you're just not sure what to expect. Um, and you just have such high hopes, but Alexandra's art just way surpassed anything I could have hoped for. Um, you know, and she had that added challenge of Abby's hair changes a lot from the time that she's a child to um, the point in which the book takes place, which is, it ends around 2011, I believe. Um, so like you were mentioning before, the, the picture on the cover is actually Abby that's more recognizable today, but in the book, her hair doesn't look like that at any point during which the time the story takes place. So there were some real challenges uh, for Alexandra that she just you know figured out and nailed. Um, you know. It, that's that's I love being on a team and collaborating on picture books because I feel like with picture books and I'm sure it's true for other books as well but with picture books especially the text and the art really have to have a, a real synergy they really have to complement each other and it's a 50-50 process and so you know, a, the success of a book isn't dependent upon just one person. It's really the team coming together 
and, and working together. And I mean, the decisions that were made in this book between um, the number of pages that were going in it um, in order to have page turn opportunities for the reader to really capitalize on emotional uh, moments in the story. Uh, the title actually uh, was really collaborative. Uh, we went back and forth on a few titles. Um, so, you know, it's, I think maybe that's why I enjoy it so much. It just reminds me of my days being on a team and being part of a group that's all working toward a shared goal. And um, I've really been very fortunate that through uh, all three of my books, I've had an amazing, amazing team to work with every time. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and I hope again, your next book brings you a similar experience. <laughs> that's great to hear, you know, and, and you touching on, you know, what is it about sports that captivates you as a storyteller? Because again, uh, folks, you know, when you're when you're checking out this book, I do think it works so well in partnership with your earlier book, Her Fearless Run. So in the show notes, I'll link to that too. I think, um, again, there's a great conversation to be had by reading those books together. And last week on the show, I had Sid Ziegler on who he's the co-founder of Outsports. And we were having conversations about the role that sports plays in society, in shifting stereotypes and shifting bias. And, um, you know, we, we had this part of our conversation around sports for me, really, you know, when people ask or sort of debate the notion of whether people can change or not, I really like sports as a lens for thinking about that question, because as you were saying, a team can be a huge driver in your individual success or, or just even again, your, your approach to different things like conflict. Right. And I find, um, I was very fortunate to grow up playing sports and you can be a different person, a different athlete on a different team, or you change a coach and that really shifts things. Um, and I think for, the audience of this show, you know, you've had a different school leader come in and things shift and move. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you have somebody else on your team or in your department, the same thing can kind of happen. So um, I, you know, as, as your book has only just come out, I, I almost feel bad about asking you to think about what's coming next, but do you see yourself continuing to tell uh, stories about sports? Um, and, and again, Am I missing something in terms of why sports really captivates you as a storyteller? Is there anything to, to sort of add to that or am I way off the mark there? No, not off the mark at all. Oh, I, I absolutely, um, I feel like I've found, uh, it's hard to put into words because I feel like sports brought me so much. Um, it helped me um, grow in confidence. Um, it helped me uh, realize again that, um, even though, you know, there will be losses, there will be failures that that's okay. That's part of the process to keep going, to keep moving, um, that not everything goes the way you expect it to go. Um, there are just so many lessons I think that come out of being an athlete and, and being part of a team. So I absolutely have intentions of continuing to write more stories about, uh, female athletes. Um, that I think that kids need to hear. I, I don't think you can have too many books that remind kids that perseverance, resilience, um, ways to cope with, with when things don't go the way that you hope 
or expect them to go. I mean, those are just things that we all have to kind of remind ourselves no matter what age we are. So I think, you know, giving kids those skills is so important for them to be able to start young because I mean, life gets a little challenging. So, you know, and to your point about things changing in the classroom with, you know, administration and teachers and things that you're teaming with also, you know, every year you get a new group of kids and things change there, right? And the dynamics between the the students change. And, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to, not sometimes, you have to adjust Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, that group that's in front of you. Um, so, you know, the ability to be flexible is, is definitely important. And, um, I I just, I think sports is something that, you know, and, and not all kids are, are into sports. And I, I understand that I honestly, my children are not athletes. They're just, I mean, they, they enjoy it, but the competitiveness, um, isn't something that, that they have. And, um, and yet, and maybe it's because it's my books, but yet they still find these books entertaining and um, important and the lessons uh, that are there are still meaningful. Great. Um, and I know, again, schools will be thinking, OK, how can we connect and have Kim come and talk with <laughs> students? And as you've pointed out, children's books very much are for adult readers as well. Um, what's the best way for librarians or educators to reach out to you or, again, if there is a teacher listening uh, you know, you're, you're planning on using this book as part of a unit and you'd love to have students, uh, you know, send some of their responses to Kim. What, what's the best way to connect with you? Oh, I love that. Um, so the best way would probably be via the contact form on my website. That's probably the simplest. Uh, my website is kimjv.com. Two F's and two E's, just like in coffee, <laughs> I'd like to say, because I do love coffee. Um, so that's probably the, the easiest way uh, to reach out and connect with me. Um, you know, it goes right to my email, so I'll, I'll definitely get that message. And again, as a, as a former educator, being in schools and, and talking with students is one of my favorite parts of being an author. Uh, it kind of brings me back and I get to do two of my favorite things. I get to write and I get to, to engage with kids. And so absolutely. I'd love to, I'd love to visit your school and, and come chat with your students. Fantastic. I'll make sure that the link to your website, of course, is there on the show notes. Um, hope that this first week of your book being out there in the world for folks, um, again, you and your team get to celebrate that massive win. Congratulations again, Kim. Thanks so much. Thank you. Folks, I was really happy to bring you this conversation the week that I did. It does two things simultaneously. It celebrates this brand new book, and it also gives you a little time to prepare for World Read Aloud Day. That is the first Wednesday of February. That's, again, February 1st in the show notes. There is a link to help you think about ways that you will take advantage of and leverage World Read Aloud Day. If you're reading Courage in Her Cleats for World Aloud Day, I'd love to hear all about it. I know that Kim would too. So again, you'll find out all the ways to connect with Kim and to connect with me in the show notes. See you next Thursday.